Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. We understand that the new Hebraic year 5780 just began on Rosh Hashanah, September the 29th, 2019. We also know that the Jews believe God's calendar is revelatory to help us focus on the possibilities contained in the seasons of our life. Genesis 1.14, and God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, days, and years. To mark, to mark. We understand that there are seven festivals of the Lord, not of Israel. These are festivals of the Lord, seven. They begin in April, let's say, Passover, and they conclude now with Sukkot, or what we call tabernacles. In the fall of the year, we understand the sequence. Rosh Hashanah, or the new year, the Day of Atonement, or the time of repentance and cleansing, and then tabernacles, or a time of remembrance and rejoicing. Now, Sukkot, or Tabernacles 2019, began sunset last Sunday, October the 13th, and it ends at sunset today, October the 20th. From sunset to sunset, because in the Jewish culture, their day begins at sundown, okay? It goes from sundown to sundown. For they believe that God takes you from darkness to light. On our calendar, the Gregorian calendar, we go from, night, from day to day. They go from night to night. It ends today, or on the, on the 20th at sunset. Now, what we call the eighth day of Sukkot begins today at sunset, and then it ends at sunset tomorrow, October the 21st. So I want you to get this. You've got to grab this, or you're not going to understand any of my message. Tabernacles, or Sukkot, consist of seven days plus one. Seven days plus one. The one is a part of the seven, yet it stands alone. That's why they call it the eighth day. The eighth day. Seven ends today at sunset, and then the eighth begins at sunset and goes to tomorrow, thus giving us the eight days of tabernacles. Now, this eighth day, the number eight, meaning new beginnings, this eighth day is called the extra day. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to John chapter seven. I'm gonna pick up verse two, and then I'm gonna drop down to verse 37. John, the gospel of John, chapter seven, verse two. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. Then drop down, verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, speaking of tabernacles, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let's title this today, Feast of Tabernacles and the Extra Day. Pray with me. Father, we pray blessings upon the reading of your word. Holy Spirit, direct us in all we say and do on this day that is a special day. May you give us insight and understanding 
May you encourage the people and build them up in their most holy faith. May lives be transformed. May your glory fill this room. Today, Father, we seek you and your plan for our life. We pray it in Christ's name. And everybody said amen. 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 We understand that these are called the Feast of the Lord. And you can find uh, much of this in Leviticus chapter 23, the Feast of the Lord. Now, we're careful to identify that because these are not the Feast of Israel. If you think that, then you'll never see the importance of the Feast in your life because you're going to think these are Feast for Israel and not for you and I. But that's not true. They're called the Feast of the Lord. They belong unto him. Now, in Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 41, he said, you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. This is tabernacles. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. So as the feast of the Lord, it's generational. Then in Zechariah 14, verse 16, and it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. I just wanted to show you that first of all, this is the Feast of the Lord. Number two, that they are forever generational, okay? And number three, that we specifically find tabernacles in our future. So all those who would say, why bother with the feast or the festivals of the Lord? Why bother with that? The reason is because he said they're generational and we see that there will come a day when God once again will require the nations to gather at Jerusalem to celebrate tabernacles or he said, I will withhold the rain from your land. So we not only see tabernacles in our past, but we see tabernacles in our future. And that is the reason we have to pause today to consider this. You, you need to know that each festival or feast of the Lord is marked and contains a unique anointing or opportunity. You need to know that each feast is marked. On Passover, I fully believe that the power of salvation, the blood of the lamb is available. On Pentecost, I fully believe that Holy Spirit stands ready to pour himself out. I fully believe that. I believe on tabernacles, there's also a mark. There's a unique anointing here today. There's a unique opportunity that we, if we would just tap into, we could see things happen. Remember, again, according to your faith, so be it. Again, remember, that God will mark the seasons to remind us of the possibilities locked up in these special times. And today is a special day because this is the seventh day of Sukkot. It's also the beginning. It's the beginning of the eighth day or the day that's called extra. And so there's something in this day that we need to discover. And if you will allow your faith to reach out, I believe God will do something special for you today. Now, let's just look at the mark that God placed on tabernacles. Number one, this festival was a festival to remember God's deliverance. Whenever God gave this to Israel, he gave this to them so that they would remember the great deliverance that he brought them out of Egypt with. 
Now, scientific studies have found that the power of gratitude is associated with more optimism and positive emotions, better health, more progress towards personal goals, more alertness and determination, increased generosity and empathy, better sleep, and improved self-esteem. Scientific studies, not religious, scientific studies have proven that gratitude can have a positive impact on your life. And that's what Sukkot is about. It's about a time to pause for seven days to remember what God did for them. Do you remember what God did for you? Do you remember the day you were born again? The day you were filled with his spirit? Do you remember the mile markers in your life where God spoke to me, God showed me something, God did something for me? Do you remember? You see, all these things are very important because when Joshua and Israel crossed the River Jordan at Kadesh Barnea to take the promised land, he told Israel, I want you to gather up 12 stones from the bottom of that river and I want you to stack them up on the other side. And when your children and your children's children come to that pile of rocks and they ask you, what does this mean? I want you to tell them what I did for you in the wilderness. I want you to tell them what I did for you in Egypt. Let me ask you something. Do we pause and just reminisce? Do we pause and just remember what God has done for us? They did a study of older people, senior saints up in their 90s, and they asked them, if you could do your life all over again, what, what are the, the, the top uh, uh, several things that you would do? And they began to list them out, but one of them was, they said, I would reminisce more. I would pause and remember the things of my life. Let me ask you something. Are we filled with gratitude when it comes to the things of God? Are we grateful for what he's done for us? We know today, and this is not a criticism, it's just a reality, that today we're more stressed, we're more medicated, we're more anxious, we're more sick than we've ever been. And so it begs the question, are we pausing enough to be grateful for what God has done? Now, scientific studies have proven that gratitude has a positive impact on our health and our mental well-being. So I just wonder, is there something here that we're missing? Have we forgotten to pause and to say, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for your blessings in my life. Thank you for all that you've given me. Is there a sense of gratitude in the hearts of God's people? Now, gratitude will neutralize the toxic emotions and their impact on your life. Gratitude will just neutralize them. Whenever you feel fear coming against you, if you'll pause and just begin to thank the Lord for what he's done for you. You see, when you go back and you remember what God did for you, then it makes the circumstances you're in look a lot less. When you remember what he did to Egypt, Jericho looks like a cakewalk. Gratitude will neutralize the negative emotions that are in your life. To reflect on your past blessings is to rehearse God's future accomplishments. To reflect on your past blessings is then to rehearse God's future accomplishments. 
what he did then, he'll do again. Whenever you get sick or you go into a storm and you have a problem and you feel fear coming over you, you feel frustration or anger, if you'll pause and just reflect and find gratitude, you'll find the strength to face what you're going through. Oh yeah, oh yeah, see I'm preaching way better, way better than you're responding. Listen, you, you, David did this. David did this when faced with a giant Goliath and Saul said, son, you're way out of your league. He said, let me tell you something, what God did in my life. I killed the bear, I killed the lion, and I'll take that uncircumcised Philistine's head if you'll just give me a rag and a rock. I'll get this done. He reflected on his past blessings and so he was rehearsing God's future accomplishments. If he can kill the bear, he can kill that giant. No problem, I got this, get out of my way. Listen, to reflect is important. Number three, you need to know that testimony in the Hebrew means, it comes from a root word that means do it again. So in the Hebrew, when a Jew says, share a testimony, what they're thinking is, share what God did and just know he'll do it again. It's a declaration. It's a declaration of what God's gonna do again. So you need, you need to understand that today, the seventh day of Sukkot is a day to pause, to reflect, and to rehearse what's coming. It's a day for you and I to pause, to reflect, and to realize that what God did yesterday, he'll do tomorrow. Let's get up and let's go. It gives you the strength to keep going. Gratitude possesses the power of attraction. Testimony, do it again. You see, whenever we stand in a service like this and we begin to testify and we begin to share what God does, suddenly people start thinking, well, if he did it for them, they'll do it for me. If God did it for her, he'll do it for me. Testimony means do it again. And so you see, gratitude has the power of attraction. It will attract. Brother Kilpatrick taught me through the years, you get what you preach. And so when you get up and you preach faith, faith arises. When you get up and start testifying about God's healing covenant, healing begins to happen. You see, testimony means do it again. And it, gratitude has the power to attract, to attract. So what you want in your life, you need to be grateful for what you've got. How many wants more money in their life? Well, thank God for the money you got. Come on. I've always believed if you'll take what you've got and take care of it, God will give you more. Oh, no. I, okay. We got to get off that. The second mark that's on Sukkot, the first one is gratitude. The second mark, it was a festival of rejoicing. Rejoicing. Now, God commanded Israel to rejoice on this day because rejoicing is an act and not an emotion. Yeah, you didn't like that one, okay. <laughs> the word rejoice means to brighten up, to cheer up, or be glad. Rejoicing is not an emotion, it's a decision. It's a choice you make. He commanded Israel, rejoice. Brighten up, brighten up, brighten up. Get your attitude up, pick up your chin. He said, come on, pick it up. Brighten up, Acts 26. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy. I think myself happy. Thoughts precede and determine action. So where are your thoughts taking you? Okay. 
that lends to the next one. You cannot live a positive life with a negative mind. Misery is an inside job. See, you're wanting to blame everything and everyone around you for your misery, but that's a decision you made. Your thoughts precede your actions. So where are your thoughts taking you? If your glass is half empty, then how many knows you're, you're going to lack? But if your glass, glass is half full, how many knows you're going to abundance? Where is your thoughts taking you? You can't live a positive life with a negative mind. And then your choices will determine the quality of life for you and your family. See, and that's the problem with attitude is you're regurgitating that stuff on all of us. You remember pig pen with the peanuts? Got that little dust cloud around him all the time. There are some people, they got a, a, a dust cloud of negativity around them all the time. All the time. They're all the time. Just wherever they go, they got this little dust cloud around them. Everything is falling apart. The sky is falling. Everything's bad. Everything looks glim, gloom and doom. And, and, and they just got this little, this little dust cloud around them all the time. How many tries to avoid that kind of that kind of atmosphere. Listen, you got to understand that that girlfriend that broke up with you, she didn't leave you. She left your attitude. Ooh. Oh, I, did I say that? Ooh. You see that guy that walked out on you, he didn't leave you, sis. He left your attitude. You're always negative. You're always this. You're always that. You're always this. And, and so people get tired of the cloud around little pig pen, whatever. Was that his name? Pig pen? Am I getting it right? I'm not a peanuts guy. So I mean, I you know, so just tired of the cloud. Some people, you get around them and that stuff gets all over you. Listen, we are environmental change agents. We know that. When I walk into a room, I need to shift the atmosphere. Shift it, shift it. You need to bring hope and faith, encouragement. People want, when people, when people get around you, they should feel encouraged. You should make people feel better about themselves. You should add to people instead of distract, uh, dist, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Detracting. You need to be a, a plus and not a minus. Guys, look, you've, you've got to understand the power of attitude and how that that stuff affects those around you. Proverbs 23, as a man thinks in his heart, so does he become. You're becoming what you're thinking right now. Your attitude and actions are a result of your reticular activating system. Said it to you a thousand times. In the stem of the brain is that little part of your brain, the reticular activating system that causes you to see things either half empty or half full. It's the way you perceive life and you can program it to see positive or negative. It's up to you. And so you've got to program your mind to see the good and not the bad, to see fullness and not emptiness. You've got to program your mind to see it that way. You need to know, as Paul said, I think myself happy. Happiness is a choice. You got to get up every morning and say, I'm going to be happy today. I'm going to be happy. I choose to be happy. That's why rejoicing is a commandment. He said, rejoice. Yeah, but I don't feel like it. Rejoice anyway. Rejoice. Rejoice to brighten yourself up. Sometimes you need to get a hold of yourself and brighten yourself up. Sometimes you need to do that. Sometimes I'll come to the office through the years. I've come to the office and I've had secretaries who would do it. You know, I'd come in and I had a bad day and a lot going on and, and come in and just 
I've, I used to have a little secretary in Pensacola, a little short girl. She'd walk up to me and go, either you get your attitude right or you need to get out of here. The staff does not need to see you like this. <laughs> Smell. Now she loved me and she was respectful, but she said, get your attitude right. I said, okay. There are times when I, I know that I need to get away and get off by myself and adjust my attitude. So the second mark on Sukkot is rejoicing. It's a decision to be happy, to adjust your attitude. So God told Israel in the wilderness, look, this is what I want you to do. I want you to reflect and find gratitude. Then I want you to rejoice and find a positive attitude. I want you to get a positive attitude. I want you to be grateful for where you're going Oh, excuse me, I want you to be grateful for where you've been, but I want you to re rejoice where you are because we've got some stuff coming. Gratitude and rejoicing. The third mark, it was a festival of conclusion and a new beginning. A festival of conclusion and a new beginning. The significance of Sukkot, the first seven days. This day today, is a conclusion of the last seven days, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, Passover, uh, first fruits, unleavened bread, uh, Passover, I said that wrong, Pentecost, uh, first fruits, unleavened bread, and Passover. So it's a conclusion of seven feasts. It's from April to October. All that together concludes right now. This is the end. This is the end. This is the end. It's the conclusion of these uh, seven festivals and the harvest season for Israel. It was a day to look back, and it was a universal holiday. Now, I want you to see this. Today is a, a day for you to conclude some things. There are some things you need to let go of. There are some things you need to close out. There are some things you need to wash your hands of and say, I'm done with that. There are some situations you need to wash your hands of and say, I'm done with that. Why don't you let it go? Why don't you let that thing go? Cut it loose. It's a ball and chain around your ankle. And that unforgiveness that we harbor in our hearts, we think it's hurting the other person, but it's not hurting them, it's hurting you. It's like you drinking poison, think you're gonna kill the rat. Listen, don't drink the poison, let God deal with a rat. You just move on. Forgiveness sets you free, it sets them free, it releases you, and it, it, it keeps bitterness from getting in your heart and destroying you. There are some things you need to let go of today. It's a day for you to look back with gratitude, and it was universal holiday. Gentile and Jew came into Jerusalem. Uh, everybody's welcome, okay? So now hold that thought. But now we're talking about the eighth day, the extra day. It is Shimeon, 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 excuse me, at Zaret. My Hebrew is not that strong. Shimeon at Zaret. Now, understand the significance of this. The eighth day was a new beginning, the number eight meaning new beginnings. It was a day to look forward, and it was for Jews only. Sukkot, seventh day, conclusion. Going to let go of some stuff. A day to look back, remember what God did. And it was for everyone. But at the end of the day, as the sun was setting and the crowd was dispersing, God said to Israel, now I want you to come aside 
just you with me. It's like on Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving lunch and football and everything and, and everybody leaves, there may be a private time just for you and your family. It's private, a time of Thanksgiving. That's what, that's what this is, the eighth day. It was a time when God said, dismiss everyone and you come aside just for me. The Jews believed the eighth or the extra day was segregated time for Jehovah to pour out his love on them privately. Eighth day, the eighth day. Shimeon at Zeret, not Sukkot, the eighth day, the extra day. God said, come aside. I just wanna spend some time with you guys. Something that's private, something that's personal to pour out my love on you. And so now we find ourselves in John chapter seven, verses 37 through 39. Now remember, Jesus is celebrating tabernacles. So this must be important. Jesus is celebrating tabernacles. And he's, he's in the temple and um, we, we see all that's happening on the seventh day, on the seventh day. And, and he, he says, this is the last day. And then he said, and this is the great day. See, this is the great day. This is the last day, and it's the great day. It's the last and great day, it said in John chapter seven, because it was a conclusion and a new beginning. So you see, there's a mark on this day that says you can conclude some things and you can get a fresh start. It's a conclusion and a new beginning. We're gonna, we're gonna, look, we're gonna look back and be grateful, but we're gonna look forward. And this is a new beginning. This is the eighth day. And you need to know that he said in that moment, now, now they, they, just, they, they just went through the, the tradition of the water pouring. And, and we'll talk about that more here in just a minute. But they just concluded this tradition. And, and, and Jesus is watching the crowd. And then he, he stands up and he, he cries out, if anyone thirst. Now, now understand, these Jews are concluding Sukkot. And they're getting ready to go into Simeon at Zaret. So they know this, the sun's setting. They're getting ready to go from the seventh day to the eighth day. And it's a private moment. And it's like the Gentiles are, are, are filing out of Jerusalem and, and, and they're getting ready to go back to their, uh, their, their, their homes. And, and this is gonna be a, a night to light the candle and, be, and have intimacy with Jehovah God. But, but Jesus looks at the crowd who who's gone through the tradition and, and gone through the mechanics of religion. And, and Jesus stands up and he says, if anyone is thirsty, you can come to me. You see, you, you, you have to understand that Jesus is saying, this is a new beginning more than just what you realize. But this is the time for me to, to do away with the segregation. And, and we're gonna we're gonna tear down the wall that separates Jew and Gentile. And he stands up. And he says, "If anyone thirst, let him come to me. Anyone." And he says, "Thirst." I, I, you, you have to understand that that during this time, 
it was a tradition for, for the priest to go to the pool of Siloam and, 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 and pull up a pitcher of water and they'd come back to the temple and as they went up the, the, the steps of the temple, they would pour the water out and they would pour it into the temple and, and they would, there were the Psalms that they would quote and there would be flutes playing and they'd be rejoicing and, and, and a great celebration, lots of joy and happiness and they're pouring out the water as, as symbolism for not only the, the rain, the future rain, the future rain that would come. Remember, I mentioned to you that in the future, all nations will be required to go to Jerusalem to honor tabernacles. And if they don't, God said, I'll withhold the rain from your nation. So, so Israel would come to the temple pouring the water, saying, Father, we, we ask you for the future rains. So we need the future rains. But it also was symbolic of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They believed that Messiah would come and the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And so they're going through all of this and, and Jesus is watching and he realizes that they're stuck in tradition and, and the Jew and the Gentile are separated and, and they realize that they're putting their faith in the mechanics of the temple and he can't take anymore. And he burst out and said, if anyone, male or female, Greek or Jew, if anyone is thirsty for more than what this is doing, come to me satisfaction. It was satisfaction. If any man, and you have to understand that, that we're closing out the seventh and we're getting ready to go into the eighth. On the eighth day, they did not pour the water. So Jesus is, is being respectful. He is saying, look, for seven days, y'all been pouring water. Everybody ain't getting a job done. And tomorrow, you're not going to pour the water. So let me give you a little insight. I am the river of living water. You come to me, guys. You come to me. If you're thirsty, you come to me. If you're tired of religion and church and the mechanics of everything, if you're tired of all that, I'm telling you, you come to me. And I'll give you something to drink. And then he said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He's saying on the eighth day, they're not going to pour their water, but I'll pour mine. On the eighth day, it's a new beginning. He said, out of your heart. This is new language for them. Out of your heart, there will flow this water. He was trying to tell them, I want to pull you from religion to relationship. I want to pull you from this, the mechanics of the temple into a personal, intimate relationship with me and my father. Wow. I just want you to see what's happening here. This was a conclusion and a new beginning. And he said, I'm going to pour my spirit out. Romans 5.5, 5, they understood eighth day, extra day. The Father wants to pour his love on us. Romans 5.5, 5, the love of God is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about relationship, guys. You get that? This is the extra day. Now listen to me. This is the extra day where God wants to take you the extra mile, just a little bit further than what others go. As the crowd disperses, as people go back to their homes, caught up in their religion, caught up, there were a few that stayed with him. Come a little extra close, come to me, and out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. There is a mark on this day. 
It's gratitude, rejoicing, attitude. And it's the mark of the extra day. Something new, a new beginning. Today can be a new beginning for you. Conclusion of where you've been. And start fresh. Today is a new beginning. The mark that I believe that's on this day is Chet. Chet, as you know, is the letter that represents the number eight. Chet and eight go hand in hand. Chet means destruction, conclusion, gateway to new life. That's why it looks like a doorway. Gateway to new life. So the mark of Sukkot, an extra day that can lead to something extraordinary. Extraordinary in the dictionary means beyond the usual, exceeding the limit of ordinary. Ephesians 4, 7, Paul said, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Grace is more than unmerited favor. It means uncommon ability. Everyone in this room and watching on the web has a measure of grace, a gift that was apportioned to you. We see it on this platform where some can sing, others can play an instrument. There are gifts in the room, teachers. There are gifts. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has a grace, the ability to do something extraordinary. And that's what I want you to see on this day, the eighth day. Extraordinary. It's the extra day. And God's wanted to take you a little further. 76% of movies made are stories of individuals who lived extraordinary lives. Superheroes, Star Wars, whatever it is. People that are living an extraordinary life. Wow. Why do we like those kind of movies? Because they awaken something that's deep within us because we were all created to live extraordinary lives. God never intended for you to be normal. And some of you, <laughs> extraordinary. We read the Bible and we find extraordinary people. Moses who walks into the court of Pharaoh plops down his stick and says, let my people go. Wow. David, who takes a rag and a rock and kills a giant. Wow. Peter, who walks on the water. Wow. Extraordinary lives. Think of this. We see it throughout the Bible. The reason for that is because God never intended for you to live an ordinary life. He intended for you to be extraordinary. But that happens through the grace of God. Through the grace of God. I was in prayer the other day at the house and I was just praying and I was just thanking God for where he's brought me. I remember when Suzanne and I started out in full-time ministry, the little bitty churches that I preached in, little bitty churches, just a handful of people. I remember when we started the church in Austin, the, the, I remember the Sunday when we broke 100. I, I almost had a panic attack because I, I didn't think I could hold them. I thought, well, my God, they're here now, but I don't think I can keep them. I, I was just, but I was thinking back on the, the journey that I've been on and the, the places he's taken me and where I am today 
and what God is doing in and through me and where I see that he's taking me. And it's just, just, it overwhelms you. Extraordinary story of what God is doing. God wants you to live an extraordinary life. Nothing common, nothing ordinary. He wants you to do something extraordinary. That's what this day, the eighth day is all about. God's saying, come a little closer. Separate yourself from the crowd and come close to me and let me share my secrets with you. Let me spend some personal time with you. This is a day for extraordinary experiences. You see, Ephesians 3 said, through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. Oh my God, it's time for you to start living an extraordinary life that causes the angels to start talking. Oh my God, oh my God. The angels talk about you. Oh, the angels talk about you. It's not uncommon for me in this city because of its size and the internet and the church and, and city and, and, and flood relief that people will come up to me in a restaurant and says, I, are you Pastor Felshaw? And I said, yeah, I am. They said, I've heard of you. And that's, that's so complimentary and I appreciate it. But let me tell you what I really like, to think that angels might talk about you. Oh, let men talk, but let angels talk about you. Oh my God. Let angels know who you are. Let angels Oh my Lord, it's, listen, talk about a compliment where angels are fascinated by the extraordinary life that you live. We're not talking about being proud. We're not talking about being arrogant. We're talking about through Christ, I can do all things through the grace of God that's been bestowed upon me for his glory. I will live an extraordinary life because I become a reflection of who he is. I'm telling you, it's time for us to pray that prayer. Make me the man that I need to be so you can can be the God that I know you are. The world is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Rise up, O son of God, and take your place. Today is the beginning of the extra day and can be the beginning of an extraordinary life for you. Oh, get that in your head, that today there's a mark on this day. It's a day for me to be grateful. It's a day for me to adjust my attitude. It's a day for me to realize there's a new beginning and I'm stepping into an extraordinary way of living. This is Sukkot, this is Tabernacles, and this is what it's all about. Stephen, come help me. Listen, I want you to know that the seven days of Sukkot ends today and the eighth day begins. The eighth day begins, Acts 18. When they asked him, Paul, to stay a little longer with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them saying, I must by all means keep the coming feast in Jerusalem, tabernacles, but I will return again to you, God willing, and he sailed from Ephesus. He said, by all means, I've got to get there. I got to get the apostle Paul. Jesus kept it. Paul kept it. They're saying, I got to get there. I got to get there. I don't think we as Gentiles in America understand how important the feasts of the Lord are. We, we, we just fly right by them. We say, oh, that's some Jewish holiday. That's not some Jewish holiday. These are the feasts of the Lord. And they're marked. And this day is marked with something special. And it's you and I being grateful and rejoicing and starting something new and realizing that God wants you to live an extraordinary life. This is what it is. God is saying to Israel, from April to October, we finish 
finished it up. We wrapped it up. Now, get along. Get with me just for a few moments and consider where I'm going to take you next. Extraordinary living. Extraordinary. Let us, as Paul, by all means, keep this day an attitude of gratitude. Choose happiness and extraordinary living. The Jews say a blessing on the eighth day. They say to one another, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has granted us life, sustained us, and enabled us to reach this occasion. We made it. We made it. We're here. So I leave you today with this word on this extra day. May you begin to live an extraordinary life. Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit icathedral.org.